Hello and welcome to Supply Chains, the Secret Sauce. I'm your host, Wade Wickes, CEO of Link Supply Chains at linksupplychains.com. This show is dedicated to supply chain and the secret sauce that supply chain provides for businesses. Going to have some humor, real life issues, some solutions, great connections, and a few life lessons. So tune in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our show. Well, on the show today, we're going to be talking about return on investments and projects. In supply chain, we've got a lot of projects that we're trying to make a good return on investment on. Well, today's show is different because we're going to learn about how to do that by using engagement. So actively and intentionally engaging to create a faster return on investment. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our show today. Really excited that you stopped by to listen to this very special podcast because with me today, wow, I've got a professional leadership trainer, Rain Kansman. Let me tell you a little bit about our show today. We have an individual that has dedicated their life to the betterment of organizations and personal growth of individuals through his riveting training approach. Mr. Rain Kansman is joining us. Rain is currently the CEO of Life in Balance, and Rain has a deep background of building unique training programs, personal coaching, business leadership coaching, and building frontline supervisor engagement with both public companies and private companies in North America. He has worked for distribution giants like Cisco and many private companies. He is an author and a well-renowned speaker. Please welcome to the show, Rain Kansman. Hey, Rain. Hey, Wade. Thank you very much. That's um, quite an introduction. I appreciate it. Well, no problem. No problem. You've got a big background and you've trained, man, thousands of people, I know, and uh, and really affected the lives of many. So it's a real pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. And I'm we're blessed. hailing from uh, the beautiful Denver, Colorado today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. The mountains are impressive. Yes, they are. Yeah, it's a great a great reason why we, why we moved here. If you haven't been to Colorado, what's your favorite mountain? Long's Peak. Long's Peak. Check yeah. it out. It's amazing. Well, on our show, we really uh, are excited to talk a little bit about engagement because that has a lot to do with supply chain success. And in supply chain, there are a lot of projects. So one thing that I'd like you to just shed a little bit more light on, because I know you've, you've talked to a lot of companies about how they implement projects and the success rate and, and, and some projects that don't go as, as planned, and a lot of that has to do with engagement. So maybe one thing that you've learned about engagement is it relates to that success in an organization um, and their project implementation. Absolutely, Wade. And, and yeah, engagement is such a, a critical component as you know, when it comes to doing that, if you, you, you just think about that, if you have an engaged team, everybody's fully on board, fully committed to making something happen, we can move those mountains that you talked about, right? And so in order to build that, uh, whatever project you're doing needs to be embraced by everyone involved, from senior management, I mean, not just oh, okaying it, but being involved in it, right, to those people that actually have to carry out the project and make the project work. Um, so doing that, I often suggest that you need to use a collaborative approach. 
when you're when you're trying to implement a project like that. And what I mean by that is that you need to be open as a senior leader to getting input and ideas from those that actually have to carry the task out, that actually have to make that 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 program or or process work that you're trying to to uh, to start or to move forward on or even to change, right? Maybe it's a whole different way of doing things. So what I, what you're saying is kind of like that intentionality, that leadership. You know, you people come to you with a, a beautiful black belt uh, analysis of, mm-hmm. of how this project could save a lot of money. And the quick thing to do is, hey, I want to implement this because it's going to save us a ton of money and, and increase our earnings. But one thing that you're saying is really take that intentional time to build that collaboration in the right way. Absolutely, Wade. Absolutely. And, and you're right. It could be the greatest things in sliced bread, right, or whatever it is. It could be the key thing that's going to make your your company reach that next level that you're looking for. But if your team and your people don't know that, I mean, as leadership, you're you're usually presented that information, the benefits, the ROI, and and so when you're in your head, you're three or four miles down the road from everybody that hasn't even heard about it yet, right? Mm-hmm. So we got to get them to the same place we are. In other words, it's going to stall somewhere. I mean, you're going to have people that are going to fight it because it's just not like what they're used to. They don't like it. They don't see it. And so absolutely, you do need to have everybody in the same place, on board, moving in the same direction. And not forced in the same direction, but, right, they need to be committed to that same direction. So how do you cultivate that? What are some things that you've seen successful companies do? And maybe share some things that you've seen companies that eh, didn't go so well. Yeah. Have any of those two? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think one of the uh, one of the, the pieces is once you have that collaborative approach, how you cascade that information. And the other thing you need to keep in mind is no matter how slight or how different it is, this is a transformation for people. And there are three phases of transformation. First of all, you have the ending phase, and you really have to make sure that you reward the people who did well with that old process, the old project, those kind of things. You also have to let them know we're going to need that expertise to make the new process work. Identify exactly what is changing and what isn't changing, because most people think, oh, the world's changing, right? (laughs) And so how do we keep them from uh, uh, not freaking out? but being part of the, the, the group that helps us drive that change. And then as we go along, make sure that we understand where they're at, they're with us, we're working alongside of it, give them some kind of responsibility with the project, right? Something they can take a hold of, because when we have responsibility for the change, we feel like we're in more control. And when we're in more control, we feel more comfortable. So just not a top-down approach, right. having a more collaborative, everybody being engaged and yeah. having a part in that. Absolutely. That's what you're saying, okay. And then, and then structure that out. And you might find the leaders for the next generation as you walk through that, the people that really step up and make things happen. But make sure the whole team, if you're committed to that team and keeping that team, make sure the whole team's along for the same ride. Gotcha. Right as we go through and do that, and then in the new beginning, set the goals. I mean, all the typical stuff you do in a new year or a new whatever. Set those goals. Be real clear about what expectations are, what you'll be measuring. So some of the in, intentional points I just wanted to kind of yep. reinforce is is where Rain said really acknowledge those accomplishments the team has made up to this point, 
And uh, another intentional piece that you had mentioned is um, just make sure that everybody's engaged in the whole process of laying out that project plan. Absolutely. That it's not top-driven. And then the last part, of course, is that collaborative communication to make sure that everybody's aware of what's expected and there's clear and clarity in that. So that's, that's really great. Well, thank that's you. Awesome. And, and something you picked up on, so that uh, transparency, right, and the communication is great because, you know, are you holding something back? Is there something else here that we don't know about, right? All those things play in our mind, so that transparency. But the first thing you talked about is a real key. If we don't celebrate the pieces, the smaller goals that we've reached, all we're focused on is that goal we haven't hit yet. And so people tend to get down. Oh, gosh, this isn't going to work. I told you that this change was not a good one, right? And so if we are able to celebrate the progress we are making, it helps them stay focused or positive in their focus. Gotcha. That's a great takeaway. That's awesome. That's great. And, you know, I was thinking, too, when you talked about that transitional point, Mm -hmm. you know, I've often heard you say that the faster you get through that transition point, the the faster you're going to get to that return on investment. Is that right? Absolutely correct. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I've heard you say that a lot of times. So you asked for examples earlier, right? And I had two uh, big examples. One one uh, company that I worked with, and both of them we were installing uh, leadership programs, all encompassing everybody on board kind of leadership programs. And the and the first one, it was really a top down approach. The the um, uh, head of operations for that program had an idea, had a plan in his mind, and what he wanted me to do was implement it, right? That was pretty much where it was. We got a small group of people to give feedback, but really it was his say, here's what stayed. I want 20 classes. They're going to be an hour each. Here's how I'd like to see them facilitated, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't have a lot. I have a few suggestions, but didn't have a lot to do. And it was my job to carry it out. And it did. We went We went out. And both both um, uh, rollouts were nationwide type rollouts and I traveled everywhere and uh, we did what we could to get everybody convinced that this is the way to go. And that program went for about a year and then it disappeared Hmm. because he was on to another project looking at some other direction. But any of the new people that came on after a year never got that information because people said, okay, we checked it off our list. We complied. Mm. Right. The second one, we had involved people for a year to develop it and brought them in from each one of the companies, got some subject matter experts, pieces and parts to figure out almost from the ground up, built this program in a year. And then when we went to roll it out, people said, yeah, I had a piece of that. I had a piece of that. And that program uh, went for six years. Wow. Right. We had the same amount of content we're trying to roll out, but it continued going. And there were people that were coming back that had gone through it once that wanted to get a refresher, mm-hmm. right? Because there was a piece and it was a much better quality program. The results from that program were incredible. Wow. Retention was better. Uh, numbers and metrics were better. So that was a, a great example for me. You know, that... and. That picture that you painted is so typical among organizations, I think, pretty much everywhere. Everybody's had that kind of experience where there's uh, those two different variables of how you go about it. You hear some people talk about, um, on the front end, spending a lot of time making sure that everybody's engaged with that intentionality. 
does that cost additional money uh, versus the return investment? Does that hold back things? But I think what you're saying is that it's that investment up front, when you really look at it for over the long term, you're going to get more out of that investment in the front. And it really doesn't take longer to do a project when you invest the time in that way. And that's the discrepancy, right, among among people that you've seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when you think about that cost-wise in the beginning, we were addressing people, but with technology today, I mean, it's a video camp. It's not like the old days where you had to fly everywhere or bring everybody in to do that. We did that a couple times that year, but most of it happened through video conference calls or, um, you know, FaceTime or whatever we had there. So we could actually see that or just a phone call, right, um, to check in. But by doing that or trusting people and saying, hey, here's a component I'd like to see you you right, Wade. This is a strength of yours. Right. Show me what you come up with, some bones, and we'll send it back and forth until we get where we want it to be. Mm. Right. So that process again builds that that um, commitment versus compliance to what we're doing, and that commitment then it it was able to reach far more leaders and impact positively far more leaders than the other program did. Wow, it's like a movement, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're creating a movement of change. Absolutely, absolutely. And have you, in your studies, have you seen any um, like studies done on on engagement and and how that impacts? Yeah, and I'm going to trip over some of the numbers, but um, uh, Marcus Buckingham and Donald Clifton, who do the Strengths Finders and 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 measuring strengths, worked for Gallup, and it was a Gallup poll, and they went throughout. I forgot how many thousands of, uh, of um, it was hundreds of companies and how many thousands of people and, and leaders. Uh, but they found, I guess, the numbers that I remember as they went through, they broke the population of workers down into those that were engaged, um, actively engaged, those that were kind of in the middle of the road and those that were actively disengaged. And they figured the amount, uh, percentage of people that were either just, you know, happy to or high below the radar, right? Uh, just trying to put in their day's work, but not looking to move forward, not looking to company move forward. And those that are actively disengaged made up seventy percent of the workforce. Wow. And that, when they started looking at that, the sheer numbers that they took a company, if its average size was 300 people in that company, right? And they measured it times, say they said each person on average earned about $50,000 a year, right? Clean salary, benefits, whatever. And those are pretty low numbers. Mm -hmm. And you multiply that percentage or that many people by that number, the company was would be losing annually like five million two hundred fifty thousand wow. dollars annually in, right? Mm-hmm. Now some assumptions were made that those that were actively engaged were at a hundred percent, and the rest of the group was at fifty percent. But in sometimes most people uh, that work through that, either through McKinsey or some other large group that does those studies, said that's pretty generous to give that group fifty percent. So, I, I mean, that, but that's something that we don't readily see right Mm -hmm. it's not in front of us as readily as other things correct yeah correct yeah wow that's awesome that's that's amazing and engagement you know that's it's something that a leader i'm sure struggles with Mm -hmm. and it's hard to get your arms around so it if we could maybe talk a little secret sauce yeah all right so a little secret sauce might be um how leadership communication and trust are achieved uh 
with teams, it, you know, thinking about new leaders out there that are just getting into the role and you've trained and consulted and, and coached a lot of uh, uh, new leaders to be uh, vice presidents and executives. Yes. So how would you, what would you recommend to a, a new leader of what they should do to try to leverage their teams and communication to build that trust and, and to help in that project implementation? So, yeah, a few things. But one of it goes right back to collaboration. As, and it's, it's interesting, it's almost like an effective salesperson. First, you have to sit and listen, right, as a leader to understand the individual. And we can, by listening to them, we can understand what their potential is, what their dreams are, where they want to go. When I have done that exercise with people, I said, okay, next time you sit down for a quarterly review or monthly review or whatever you're doing, take the first 15 minutes, ask a question about, hey, let's talk about where you'd like to go and what you'd like to do and listen for the first 15 minutes before you talk about any evaluations, uh, anything you have on your agenda. And I said it was interesting when they came back into class or if if I was coaching them, it was the next call, and finding out that their perception of that individual's potential was way off. Hmm. They underestimated those people nine times out of ten. Wow. And think about that as an individual because even if we're not saying that as a leader... That's what we're thinking of that individual. And if they are, it's interesting. If, you, if you're not a real strong associate, okay, that's what the boss expects, and that's the level they work to, right? And right. so we're, 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 we're uh, limiting the potential of those individuals with those thought processes. So find that out. And that's why I say... The keys to uh, collaboration are effective listening, right, and asking good questions. And when you state as a leader, you need to state your comments as, hey, here's my thoughts. I was thinking about this. What do you think? Here's an idea. Because often if we say something in a leadership role, hey, Wade, we're going to have to uh, make this change on shifts. I'm going to starting at three versus four. Like it's already done and absolute, and you go, yep, okay, I'll carry that out. Right, right. Hey, Wade, I'm thinking about making this shift because I think if we move them back from three to four, we'll be able to save on some payroll. We'll be able to um, give people a tighter day, which they might appreciate. But what thoughts do you have? Yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're engaging them to be more yeah. part of the solution. Right. Right. Or even if you're up to it, what what holes can you shoot in my yeah. my theory? Or is there something I'm being blindsided by? Right, that vulnerability in the yeah. leadership role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I I think that's the key to getting that kicked off, um, and and get the get the team again. I fully understand that as a leader, you're responsible. You're responsible for the team results. You're responsible for all of that. But it'd be amazing, just like the first part I talked about. Go to your team and say, what should the team be measured on? Now, be sure it's something that you can actually measure, right? Mm-hmm. Something that you can actually put put numbers to and metrics to. But ask the team, what do you, what do you think? And you might find 
in that, and what I've heard from, again, these leaders when they come back is, wow, I was thinking of a 10% improvement, but these guys were saying they could do 15 for me. So not setting the goal, but having the team set right. the goal. Now, ultimately, you have to be the final decision maker because it's you that have to bring it to the other members of the senior team or whatever, right? Sure. could be unrealistic in many ways. Right. So you guide that, but you may be surprised. And then here's a key for me at least, is that then you start looking at and tracking behaviors. Because if we wait for the metrics to land, we wait to that report that gives us the results, it may be too late to change. And behaviors are always precursors to results. So when you're sitting down and saying, okay, I accept your idea of what we should measure on, what kind of behaviors are we gonna need to make that happen? And again, and then when we coach, we might take a five, 10 minute huddle up with that individual, right? Then we can ask, how are the behaviors coming? And weekly, we have a metric, we have a, a measurement of whether they're working and not working. We can make adjustments before the numbers come in, right? Right, right. So looking for those behaviors that equate to that success exactly. and Okay. Yeah. And so, so it's more... F- um, getting in front of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. And staying current with the situation, then let's wait till the end of the month, the end of the year, and see what it turns out to be. Then it could be too late to make, or we've lost a lot of money, or we've lost a lot of people, or something, right? But if we're staying with it, that, and it doesn't have to be lengthy, but just five, 10 minute check in. How are the behaviors working? Are we, do you think it'll lead us to the numbers we're looking for, right? So, and all those things build uh, trust. Too, I think um, all those key principles that you outlined or those uh, little attributes that you could do, really, when you do them, you, you build a lot of trust with your team members versus yeah. the tell. You know, oh, to ask. huge. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, and the other thing about trust, and, and um, one of the greatest resources on that is, is Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of Team, which I know, Wade, you know very well. And when we talk about trust in a team, we're talking about having each other's back. It's not like, I trust that if I say this, this is the way Wade will go, right? It's more, if I'm out there and I'm vulnerable, Wade's gonna have my back, not Wade's gonna make fun of me. Right. Right, which happens in too many, uh, and I'm doing air quotes, teams, right? right. And that, that, that's, that just breaks the team right down. But if we're out there and we're okay to make mistakes, we'll take bigger risks, mm-hmm. right? Because we know somebody's there to back us up. Right, right. And just building that trust within a team makes the team be able to execute that project a lot faster, get through that neutral zone, and everybody's inspired yeah. versus uh, trying to hit a commitment. Absolutely. And uh, and probably willing to, to make changes along the way. Mm-hmm. That maybe you thought this uh, project should be implemented as, as a path this way, but, but really as we got into it, we found that it'd be faster return on investment, right. more cost uh, reduction if we do it this way. So all that comes from trust and vulnerability. Absolutely. Right? And again, keep in mind, and, and this was a, a certification I got back uh, with DDI, but they talk about freedom within a framework, right? Yeah, there's certain rules we have to live by and certain things and places, but if I can give you freedom within this, this area, you can make things happen. And one of the stories that's pretty cool is um, they have a work project and one of the people in the room is, hey, Fred, 
why don't you go find a ladder? I think there's one in the shed. And Fred goes to the shed and there's not a ladder there. So what's he going to do? He's going to come right back to the leader. Uh, there's not a ladder. What, am I? what if instead it's the leader said, hey, we need a ladder for this project. Who's going to volunteer to go look for it? There you go. Now Fred's more committed to finding that to, right? And if he goes to that shed, he's more likely to take the initiative to go somewhere else and look for it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Beautiful. I really enjoy um, this experience today, and I really think that you have shared a great deal of golden nuggets for everybody out there. Well, thank you, Wade. I really appreciate ask, asking me to be a part of this. Yeah, this is awesome. If uh, people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do so? So Rain Kansman is a pretty uncommon name, but even better so if you go to my website at getlifeandbalance.com. Uh, that's how you can contact me and you can get an idea of who I am and what I, what I have to offer. But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I've just attended, by the way, for those listening, I've just attended a beautiful leadership works, workshop uh, with Rain where we discovered our, our mission statement, our personal mission statement, and talked about a lot of great things. Do you have some more uh, workshops coming up or weekend retreats? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, 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 this was, uh, Wade was part of a pilot program for uh, these retreats. I'm, I have uh, two definitely prepared for uh, 2021, and hopefully I'm going to uh, be able to facilitate four of them next year. Small groups of leaders, I can only take six at a time, so you get personal attention. And uh, we'll get an opportunity to really work on ourselves. Think about that. Three days in the mountains, in a beautiful place, good food, the atmosphere to be vulnerable, to be able to make uh, what you want to happen in your personal professional life a reality by setting, the, setting that, uh, that idea into motion there during this retreat. And I'll be there to help guide you through that. Awesome. Awesome, Ryan. Well, I was blown away. It was awesome. Thank you. Very wonderful. Hey, uh, everybody, we're going to have a webinar, or we're going to call it a masterclass, coming up very soon. So be looking for that masterclass, and Rain's going to be talking more about uh, intentional engagement at that masterclass. Well, thank you very much, Rain. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Thank you, Wade. Well, everybody, that's our show for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, check us out at www.linksupplychains.com. Provide any comments. I always want to know how to improve the podcast. And please subscribe. And be sure to share this podcast with those you think that might find usefulness with it. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.